at the time I was 17, 18, unemployed, you know, and I was desperate to, you know, to get a break. And I knew that if I did get a try, I would, you know, I would grab the chance. I think it was always going to be boxing to me. I stepped into the gym as a 10 or 11 year old. Boxing just took hold of my heart straight away. I love everything about the sport of boxing. Hello, I'm Marie Crow, and this is We Become Heroes, the RTE sport podcast that explores how lead athletes and sports people reach the top of their game and the lessons that they learned along the way. Now, I'm delighted to say that my guest today is racing legend Charlie Swan. Charlie, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, first of all, how are you? How's life? What are you up to? Yeah, good. Thanks, Marie. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm. I suppose enjoying life. Keep uh, keep working, but um, uh, really enjoying it. Yeah. Um, we we sort of buy and sell horses and um, ourselves, um, my wife and I, and um, my father-in-law and my brother-in-law. So we, um, my two brother-in-laws actually. So we're sort of into horses together. And then I buy I buy some horses for Jake and McManus as well in in France. So that sort of keeps me keeps me fairly busy. Yeah, geez, that does sound like it. Uh, there's a lot to it. Um, what about training though? I know it's been a while since you've you've done it. Are you missing it? Um, <laughs> I loved, I loved the day to day, you know, out with the horses and great fun, but, um, I can't say I'm really, I'm missing it. <laughs> it's, um, no, look, it's, I, I'm really glad I did it, but it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a hard career and, um, you really, really need to have good horses and have good owners and good staff. And it's, 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 I suppose from being a, a jockey and I, and I was, you know, I was lucky enough to be successful. You sort of, if you're not at the top of your game, you don't really feel as though you're fit, you're fitting in, you know? So I said that made it a little bit trickier, but um, at the same time, I, you know, I, I had a great time and trained plenty of winners, but, um, you know, financially it wasn't really working out. So I had to change, unfortunately. Were you surprised that it was as challenging as it ended up being? Um, I suppose in a way I was. Um, well, I knew it was going to be challenging, but it was just the way, um, you know, there was a big um, turnaround and, you know, all, all the build, builders were in financial difficulties mm-hmm. and I had a lot of horses belonging to them at the time. So it was just, you know, trying trying to get new people into the game. And actually, there's after been a good surge of new owners after coming into the game there recently. So um, time does change things. Um, just unfortunate at the time that, um, you know, I, 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 I had lost a lot of my owners and um, I just thought it was the right thing to do at the time. Yeah, timing, unfortunately, it's often everything in, uh, in yes. sports and in business. And what about riding? Do you miss that? I suppose I do a bit, you know, on the big days I do, mm. not when it's lashing rain and it's three degrees. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, you don't miss the falls, but you do miss the big days. You know, I, I used to really enjoy the, the, big, the big days, you know, Cheltenham and Liverpool, Galway, Aintree, um, you know, all those big meetings, you would really miss it. I often ask people who are retired, do they become fans of their own sports? Does that happen in racing? I do. I suppose, um, I suppose because I buy horses for, for JP, um, 
that I'm involved the whole time, you know, I'm hoping that the horses I buy will do well. So um, <laughs> I'm sort of looking at the racing the whole time. Um, you know, I do become fans of jockeys and trainers and, you know, it is interesting. And I, I feel as though if I was riding now, I feel as though I'd ride better because really? I suppose it's more experience and the knowledge of looking at races. Um, you know, I, I, I definitely feel as I would have rode better now if I, if, you know, if my body was a bit <laughs> You'd have able to, to take it. You'll have to explain that to me because I have never ridden a horse, so I have no idea what that means. In what way would you be better? I just think my knowledge, I suppose, my knowledge, I'm more knowledgeable now than I was when I was riding maybe. And um, tactically, I could have done things better. I think after watching racing um, in, in the last 10 years, I, I, I probably miss stuff when you're fully focused on it and you're, you're not looking from the outside in, you know, it's, it's, it is different. Then I have a, I have a son riding now as an amateur at the moment. So, um, <clears throat> so it's quite interesting watching him ride, you know? So yeah, just interestingly, like I speak to a lot of footballers and some of them go on to do their coaching badges and they often say that they wish they'd paid a little bit more attention when they were playing because they would have thought about things differently. And then they go and they have to learn about the game and all different positions of the game and study all the different tactics. And, and they wish that they'd done that a little bit more when they were playing. Yeah, it's it's a very, you know, very same thing being a jockey. Um, I definitely miss things when I was, you know, in the thick of it. And um, you'd love to go back. But um, unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately so, how's your son doing? Yeah, yeah, he's doing well. He's trained plenty of winners. He he rides out a couple of days a week in Gordon Elliott. Um, but he's in Trinity, so I'm hoping okay. he'll, he'll stick at that. And yeah. you know he, you know he can ride as an amateur and and, and hopefully, hopefully get a decent job. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it must be nice though seeing him following your footsteps. Oh, it is, yeah, no, it's nice. And he rides well and you know, he's a good head on his shoulders. I think he's you know, he's he's quite good tactically. So um no, he's he's really enjoying it. And as a sport, do you think that racing is in a good place? It is. I think it's in a very, very good place. Um Irish racing I don't think could be any better. Um there's there's a lot of new people into um in the game. The prize money is good. Um you know, um, not like in England, the prize money is, is pretty bad. And, um, you know, we've a lot of the English owners have come here, you know, because of it. And um, I know we often get a bit of press about other things, but I think I don't think the sport has been cleaner. I think it's um, definitely on the up and it's, it's, in, it's in a really good place. Do you, do you feel that? Because you, you mentioned it there that there has been a lot of press and I guess it was Jim Bulger who mentioned that he feels there could be a Lance Armstrong moment within the sport. Paul Kimmich has written a bit as well in the Sunday Independent. So there has definitely been a sharp focus on the sport, but you seem quite confident that it's cleaner than ever. Oh, no, I, I think it's definitely cleaner than ever. Like there's too many, too many people, too many eyes around. I don't think anybody would be that foolish to, to do to do what they're saying they're doing because you know some of these big trainers have two or three hundred horses like there's no way they're going to risk everything like that to do anything stupid um i think it's a load of rubbish but um i'm hoping the long run will be proved right 
what about in your day then? Do, do you feel it was clean then? I do. I mean, I, 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 I've never seen it. I've never heard of people do. I mean, you're always going to get something in, in, in every sport. You're going to get somebody that's going to try to cheat. But um, it's more like a, you know, a, a soap opera. People are trying to, you know, say that all oh, the horses are getting dope and things like that. But uh, I never came across it. And I think that the game is as clean as it ever was. And if not cleaner, definitely. There are a lot more eyeballs on the sport, for sure. And Rachel Blackmore probably gets a lot of credit for that. Um, she's really attracted an awful lot of female viewers, for sure, onto it. Did you ever think that when you were a jockey that you would have a, see a woman achieve what Rachel has achieved? No, she's a, she's an amazing lady. I mean, she's she, and, and she's a lovely girl, too. She's, she's really, really nice. And she's a very, very good rider. Um, I, I suppose when I was training, I, I used to use uh, Nina Carberry a lot um, in bumpers, and Nina could have probably gone professional. She's probably regretting it now. I'd say <laughs> thinking back on it, she probably could have gone to the top as well. But um, you know, she was herself and Katie Bond probably could have been professionals, no problem. Um, but um, no, she's she, she's been remarkable. Uh, Rachel's been absolutely remarkable. remarkable. Yeah, she really has. She's just been a, a joy to watch, really. Um, let's get on to you then, uh, because this is about you. Can you tell me about your very first memories of sport? Yeah, I suppose. Um, yeah, I'm I'm a big sports fan. And um, I've always been, I suppose I used to play rugby in school. So, um, um, you know, I was mad into rugby and golf, Savvy Balaceris and I suppose Eddie Mackin was one of my <coughs> first. I I was sort of into the show jumping and things as well, and I you know you know used to read the film. Um, yeah, look up to um, Eddie Mackin. I thought he was a great rider, and and Boomerang was was alive at the time, whatever, and he was riding him. Um, but um, the racing, even though my dad trained horses, I I was probably racing every day. Um, and I never really thought when I was younger that I was going to be a jockey or anything like that. Um, I used to ride and used to ride a bit of hunting, a bit of show jump, jumping, a bit of um, hunter trials and things like that. But um, never really thought that I was going to go into racing. So what did you think you were going to go into? I don't know. I, I, was, <laughs> I, was, I was in boarding school um, yeah, when I was seven. I, I was sent to boarding school when yeah. I was seven. Um, so to get a good education and um, I used to come home and, and ride out you know in um, in the holidays and um, my dad when, I suppose when I was about 12 or 13 there was a guy down the road that had some some racing ponies and um, so I so I went down there and I started um, riding them in in pony races and um, wrote a few winners and sort of started getting quite into it, you know, but still never thought I'd do it for a career. I sort yeah. of just thought I would like to do it. And then my dad had a two, well, he had a yearling that we were breaking and I was, I was riding it the whole time. And then he said to me, would you like to ride him in a race? So <laughs> I kind of said, yeah, I'd, I'd love to, you know, when I was doing the pony race and stuff. And, um, so my first ride was 1983, March 1983. 
and <clears throat> and the horse won. So um, of course it did. It was, <laughs> it was, it was, uh, I don't know. It was it, it, it absolutely bolted, and I didn't have. My, I just had to steer it really. But, um, yeah, that sort of gave me the the bug really. But I still thought that I'd just do it for a bit of fun, and but I didn't really think I was going to make a career out of it. Um, I mean, I think I wrote three winners my first year I was still in school and um, I was getting out anytime I could you know anytime I could on weekends and the odd time during the week but then my dad sort of said to me would you like to give it a go um this is when I was I think I was 16 so of course when you're in school and you're, you're not I love school actually but Academically, I probably wasn't the world's best, but um, I still liked school. And but just when I got the opportunity to, I suppose to leave and 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 um, ride in races, I sort of took it. So I said, "Yeah, I'd love to give it a go." So um, I sort of started from there. I, I I went to to a trainer called Kevin Prendergast, mm-hmm. and um, I was actually told. Um, a girl that used to work for my dad, she was married to the stable jockey, uh, a fellow called Gabriel Curran. And he rang my dad and said um, he should, that Charlie should come up to Kevin because there's only one apprentice there and he's not getting many rides. And um, the, the apprentice actually was Kieran Fallon. How do I? Yeah, <laughs> so, it was, so it, was, it was funny. So I went up there anyway and... Um, sort of started to get going and won a few winners and and um I ended up um myself and Kieran were in a flat for a couple of years and um so I knew them pretty well. Yeah. But um yeah no it's amazing how how things get but I still didn't really think that I was hoping I'd ride plenty of winners and I still had my options open when I go back to school or, or go to college what would I do? But um Things just snowballed really, and just being in the right place at the right time really. I um, <clears throat> I broke my my leg schooling one morning for um, for Kevin Prendergast. I was schooling over hurdles, and um, when I came back, my weight had gone up, so I was going to be too heavy for the flat. So um, he said, "Would you like, you know, would you like to go jumping?" And um, I said, "I would." I said, "Who would you suggest to go to?" And he. Um, Suggested Desi Hughes. Um, so, um, yeah, Desi was one of the top um, national trainers. So, so he rang him there and then for me. And um, I had an interview about <coughs> twenty minutes later with him. No way. <laughs> yeah. So, so I got. So he asked me to start on, on the following Monday because I was just after coming back from a broken leg. So um, I started the following Monday and. The stable jockey in Desi Hughes, this was a fellow called Tom Morgan. And I was only there a month. And he moved to England. He got a good job in England. So I ended up getting first um, f- first um, jockey to, to Desi Hughes. So it's just the way things worked out, you know. Yeah. Did you... Did you give up all other sports then? Like, was the rugby just a skill thing or was there anything else you were doing? Yeah, I, I suppose... I, I started playing a bit of golf and stuff like that as well. Um, 
in my spare time, even though there wasn't that much spare time <laughs> when I was at, you know, at that stage. But um, I was still into, you know, watching the rugby and mm. um, I used to play a bit of tennis and squash and table tennis, things like that. So you must have been really good from the off, like to make that much progress that quickly without having it in your head that this was going to be your career. Like you must have just had talent. I don't know. I, I never really thought of it that way. I thought that there was a lot more talented people around me. And I used to just try to keep improving. Up. You know, every ride you try to do something different or you try to just keep improving yourself. Um, yeah, it was strange. I didn't really think that I was I was good. I, I, I just I just thought I was enjoying I was enjoying the ride at the time, I suppose. <laughs> And um, <clears throat> yeah, I didn't really, I don't know, it was, it was a strange, I just, I felt like I was starting to get, you know, getting lucky. I was getting on good horses and um, had a couple of offers to go to a few yards. Um, Nicky Henderson asked me to go to him one time and, and Martin Pipe asked me to go to him. So I don't think too many trainers, um, too many jockeys have turned down job of Martin Pipes but I turned it down because I was I was riding for Aiden O'Brien at the time so but um, everything just really snowballed and but I must say it was you know it was thanks to Eddie Hughes and Kevin Renias really they, yeah Kieran uh, Fallon was actually one of the very first interviews that I did when I was a journalist so uh, there was a connection to where I'm from in Six Mile Bridge he knew the local priest right, and the yeah. priest rang him and said there's a girl from here and she's doing journalism would you do an interview with her and he said, absolutely, it mustn't have been, I don't know, it must have been, I don't know what the story of mobile phones was, but I had to get on a plane and meet him. He collected me from the airport somewhere in England and I spent the whole day with him. He was going around um, riding and um, was in the car with him. Like, so for the whole day, everything that he was doing, I was documenting it. Oh, it was a great day. He was so generous yeah. with his time. Drove the car very fast now, but uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so generous and just so kind to give me that opportunity. And it was it was great. It was one of those ones, um, the Sunday Independent, I was working for them. Um, they did a book a few years ago with uh, uh, like their top 30 stories and they actually included that one in it as well. So my day with Kieran Fallon worked out great. So um, yeah, good memories of, of Kieran. I must actually get in touch with him again and see how he is. Um, yeah. So tell me then, when you were developing as a jockey, what was the thing that you had to work on most? Um, I, sp- I suppose, first of all, when I was when I was from 15 to sort of 18 um, my weight was the big thing I was I was getting heavier and um, you know it's harder to get rides when you're starting out if you're too heavy so I was trying to keep the weight down and stuff like that then trying to get good rides really so you're trying to impress your boss in the yard and um, be in every morning being in on time you know be as dedicated as you can really um, no, I, I was always good at getting up early. I, I never had any problems, you know, so thank God. And um, <laughs> sort of, you know, I was able to keep the, the weight right for, you know, for a certain amount of time. Was, um, How did you do yeah. that? Um, I suppose plenty of running and walking and mm-hmm. and I did use the saunas and things. Um, I just found the saunas did mess up my weight a little bit because you'd fluctuate too much you'd lose four pounds in probably an hour 
and then you could put it you could be six pound heavier the following day you know it's, it's all it's really all a mental thing in, in your head you yeah. feel when you've lost so much weight oh i can put it back so you drink or you eat mm. eat a good bit after it you know after, after riding whatever and um definitely if i was to do it again um i would do it a lot different i think you know yeah I know that's I suppose when you're you're in it it probably feels normal it's only when you reflect on it that you think okay yeah. maybe there are other ways to do things was there a moment when you <laughs> thought okay I can you know I belong here I can make it as a, a top class jockey um <clears throat> I suppose yeah I was starting to get good rides and I was I, I was I I think um I was asked to go to Mouse Morris's and I still rode out in Desi's I was still riding horses in Desi's and I was first jockey to mouse as well. So I was trying to trying to get on the best horse the whole time. So that's not an easy thing when you're because both trainers want you, but you're trying to trying to juggle them around a little bit. Um but it's, it was only then that I started thinking, God, maybe I'd i i have a chance to be a champion jockey someday if you know if things go right. But it's it was only really the year, the first year I was champion jockey, sort of came to you know, it just sort of developed me that well, I'm going to be champion jockey this year, you know. Do you think having that mentality though probably made you the jockey that you ended up becoming? Yeah, I suppose I I always try to improve myself, and I and um, I was pretty dedicated. I was pretty focused. I I'd always look at videos of of the good riders riding around around me and um trying to copy them or you know you can't you can't stop improving the whole time mm-hmm. you know um even now i feel i feel like i i could write better you know from from looking at <laughs> um ruby and and all those guys have come past since you know yeah i know what you mean um so what was the biggest setback then that you had to overcome the biggest setback um let me see uh I suppose I suppose injuries really is is one of the big things when you're a jump jockey. Um, you know you do get in you do get injured, especially more in the summer than in the winter, because it's the ground, the ground and the speed. They go, they go fast when the ground is fast. You know the um, races are run at a faster faster gallop. So the faster you go, the more chances of getting a ball. And you know when you're jumping at speed and stuff. But um were you were you what were you like when you were injured? Um yeah, I wasn't too I I was fairly lucky really because um I was I was really mostly out during summer. I was never injured much during the winter. So um like I never missed a ride on on Istabrak. Like he ran, I think. 28 times and I never I never missed a ride which was very surprising usually a jump jockey would miss you know good horses somebody somebody else might ride them because you're injured or you're suspended or whatever but I never missed a ride on it because I very rarely got injured injured in the in the winter I, I remember getting injured one winter um I broke my arm in Clonmel and um it was a really good horse that I, I, I wanted to ride so I came back after two weeks after breaking my arm and it was it was basically because I, I suppose I was greedy and hungry. I wanted to, to ride this horse. 
and so so I was living on painkillers. But I remember when I went to the my first race back, I had to get passed by the doctor. But whatever happened, they had on the cert that I broke my left arm, but I actually broke my right arm. <laughs> so he, so the doctor that was passing me was being on my left arm and he was pulling it. And he said, yeah, God, that's very strong. That's very good. God, you got back very quick. I said, well, if he had done it to my other arm, I'd say it would just <laughs> snap in half. And so, you weren't going to correct him anyway. Yeah. But um, I, I had to live on painkillers for the whole season. And, and actually, at the end of the season, I had to get an operation on my arm because the bone had just um, kept growing and growing and growing. So I had to get it sort of taken off. Well, the, the bit that had grown, taken off, and they put a plate over it. Or so that delayed me a little bit, but I did it in the summer. So I was only out for sort of a month, I think. I always find it fascinating how casual jockeys are about injuries. Like for anybody else, that would be horrific. Well, it's, it's I mean, it's it's a case of having to do it. Otherwise, somebody else is going to get on that horse. And um, if you wins a big race, you, you know, that could have been you. So, and actually, that horse, um, he was a horse called Eurobande. I ended up winning the Sun Alliance in Cheltenham and he won, he won the Martel Herb in the Naintree. So it was worth it in the end. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know where your priorities are anyway. Um, so, who had the biggest impact on your career? I suppose, I suppose, Desi Hughes, Kevin Prendergast, um, uh, yeah, the the um, first jockey in Kevin's uh, Gabriel Corn, um, yeah, he was a big impact on me. Really, um, yeah, the, you know they they all helped me so much, and um, you know Daddy Hughes used to give, give me great tips, like he used to just say, the winning and losing of a race is at the start, and you know it's quite right, really. If you get a bad start in a race, you've less chance of winning, really. So that really always. I think I would, you know, when I was riding, I was always very good at the start. I was always out the gate, and then you can get a position wherever you wanted that after. So he, you know, he was he was very good that way. And Gabriel Corn, you know, talk talked to me a lot about pace and things. And Kevin was he was just brilliant. He was he was tough, but he was he was he was a really good guy. He was he was always on your side. So when you think of all the races that you ran, is there one that you think defines you that when you were little and you were thinking, oh, maybe I could be a jockey, I'd like to be like this. Is there one that sticks out? I, I, suppose, I suppose I always wanted to ride in the Grand National and I rode in the Grand National nine times, but unfortunately I never won it, the, the English one. Um, I, I won the Irish Grand National, so that was, was one of the big moments, I suppose. I suppose winning the winning the third champion hurdle on this track was probably the the highlight really you know because not many horses have done that and you know it was nice it was, it was nice to be one of the you know I think it's only three or four horses have done it so but unfortunately the foot and mouth came in when he was going yeah. for his fourth so that was pity you know. yeah what was it about the relationship you and Anis Brack had that was so special well, I suppose because we used to win a lot, <laughs> but it probably it probably wouldn't have been that special. And he was such a good horse, you know. Like, you know, anybody could have ridden him really. Like, I was just lucky to be the right place at the right time. I mean, he he was a great jumper. He stayed really well, and then he was trained by a brilliant 
trainer and owned by JP, which was it was so easy. You know, it's 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 so easy to ride for him because he just leaves it entirely up to you. And um, Aiden was, you know, every stone was turned. You know, he he, you know, he was just brilliant with him. He um he trained him so well. You know. If there was any horse now currently running that you could ride, which one would it be? Wow, yeah. <laughs> I suppose you wouldn't mind riding Constitution Hill. Yeah, really yeah. Against uh, Honeysuckle? Yeah, you'd love to ride Honeysuckle too. <laughs> yeah. There's some good horses out there. Um, um, Galvin, the shop looks looks nice too. So, um, mm. yeah, it's, it's, you know, there's a lot of good ones out there that you'd like to ride. So pick one. Pick one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let me see. <laughs> I suppose Constitution Hill would probably would probably be he looks he he looks freakish you know he looks very very good horse. So what do you think was your greatest success? My greatest success. Um, I I I I don't know it's hard to really say I, I got great I got great thrill out of all the big winners I rode. Um, you know, it was it was great when the champion chase on bike and flagship, um, the Irish Grand National on Evelyn Jane. But I suppose I suppose you'd have to say it's the three champion hurdles, probably the, the and probably the one that I know for most really because mm-hmm. when people say my name, oh, oh, you used to ride this to Brack, don't we? They sort of forget about all these horses. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, he was. You know, he was the best probably. How did you deal with the pressure of being such a high-profile um, top jockey? I, I don't know. I, I suppose I might be a little bit of a show-off, in, <laughs> which is probably a bad thing in some places and a good thing when you're riding, maybe. Um, so I used to find I, I used to ride better on the bigger days. Um, I just I used to just think to myself, look, Try to show off here. Try to do do your best, and you know, be as cool as you can. And I find if you're if you if you if you can be cool on the big day, that's that's a big help because everything seems to go right if you're cool. Um, if you get uptight and stuff, it doesn't it doesn't um, help. So um, I think I think like in Cheltenham, being cool is big 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 advantage. There's a lot of talk about. Potential five days at Cheltenham, is it something you would like? Um, look, I'm a racing fan. I, I would love five days at Cheltenham. I know it's going to be tough going. Um, uh, but I think I think financially for for the race courses and things, it's probably going to be a good help to five days. But four days is, it, it seems a lot at the moment. Five days is going to be unbelievable. Then we do have... Seven days in Galway and five days in Punchestown. So we're pretty used to it in this country. <laughs> is there I'm enough sure we're we're sure. the quality I'm of sure. Chatham? Is there enough quality for Chatham to have a quality five days every day? Yeah, I think if they have five days, there'll only be two extra races because they'll probably only have six races a day. So they'll probably they only need to find two more races. And they took out the race last year. So they probably put that race back and they only have to find one more race. So um, you won't dilute, dilute it too much, I don't think. And um, 
like the crowds, it was an unbelievable crowd this year. It was it was a different sort of a crowd on on Gold uh, Cup day. It was it was strange. It was I've never heard them singing and stuff like they were singing. He was sort of chanting. It was a bit surreal, but it was yeah. I think I think the more people that go racing, the bigger the sport's going to get. You know? So, what do you think will be your legacy? My legacy. Um, See what I put here. I suppose um, <laughs> I'm trying to think about it. Um, I wrote 150 winners in Ireland in one season, and Ruby didn't beat it, so <laughs> it might not be beaten for a while. I mean, you have to be writing for one of the top trainers to, to do that. Like, like it's going to be beaten, but um, it hasn't been beaten for a while. I don't know what year it was when I did it, but. Um, to write 150 winners in Ireland, it's it's quite a job because every day you go, you need to write a winner most days you go racing. And the days I didn't write a winner, I, I was I was sick. Like, it's amazing. You get into this zone that you just want to write winners, winner after winner after winner. And um, yeah, I, I was I was really lucky that season. I had a, a trouble-free, <clears throat> I don't think I was suspended and I wasn't. Um, broke up so so it was great and then I, I, the last day's race and I was stuck on 149 oh. and <clears throat> I, I was I, I need like it would have been, I would have been sick to be on 149 so Conor O'Dwyer had the favourite in the maiden hurdle and I rang him up and I said Conor wouldn't be any chance of <clears throat> me right and he, he said no problem so oh, same yeah. so I have to thank Conor for that <laughs> So what's next for you then? What's next? Um, <clears throat> I suppose I'm, I buy, I buy the French horse for JP in France. So ready to, to buy a Gold Cup winner from now, I suppose. I've, I bought two champion hurdle winners from, so hopefully we can <laughs> buy a Gold Cup winner from. Yeah. It sounds like you're good at that as well. Well, no, I... Yeah, you have to be a bit lucky too in life. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, Charlie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You definitely have left your mark on Irish sporting history and will be talked about for a very long time to come, I'd say. Um, I hope everyone who watched it enjoyed. Please like, subscribe and leave a review. <laughs>